I'm Gwen. And I'm Jacqueline. Welcome to Talk Bookish to Me. The podcast where friends get together and talk about books. Happy Monday and welcome back to Talk Bookish to Me. Today we're spreading the word and our appreciation for libraries. If you didn't know, National Library Week is coming up. It's from April 4th to the 10th. The theme for National Library Week is Welcome to Your Library. This promotes the idea that libraries extend far beyond the four walls of a building and that everyone is welcome to use their services. During the pandemic, libraries have been going above and beyond to adapt to our changing world by expanding their resources and continuing to meet the needs of their users users. Whether people visit in person or virtually, libraries offer opportunities for everyone to explore new worlds and become their best selves through access to technology, multimedia content, and educational programs. Before we jump into today's topic, we always talk about what we're currently reading. And Jacqueline, you know, I just texted you yesterday. (laughs) So we talked in our last episode how we were doing the backlist readathon, and I crushed it, guys. I read six (laughs) books in six days, and I was so proud. So every Everybody just give a round of applause for me because I totally deserve it. And Jacqueline really crushed it working like full time, five books. Like that was amazing. But guys, I have not read anything since then. And I have three books that I've kind of sort of started. And I actually think it's to do with my mental health right now, which I'll get to more towards the end of the episode. Let me talk to you about the books that I've kind of sort of started. So I have The Wall of Winnipeg. Um, in Me by um, Mariana Zapata, and I'm only 60-ish pages in there. I have Strange Weather in Tokyo by Hiromi Kawakami, and I am 30-ish pages in there. And then I'm also reading In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado, And I have no idea because I didn't put a bookmark in, but I'm like probably 20 pages in there. So, and it's not that I'm not interested in these because I am, but I'm just not interested in reading right now. So (laughs) there's that. Yeah. Yesterday, Gwen Um, was like, anybody else having a hard time after the back was readathon? And I was like, nope, it's just you. (laughs) I I was like, of course, of course, it's just me. So yeah, so I'm in the middle of like, not in the middle, but I'm in the process of reading like three different books. I don't know which one I'm actually going to finish. I, it's, it's a struggle, guys. What about you, Jacqueline? Please tell me you're reading something. Yeah, so I'm actually, um almost done with two different books so wow (laughs) well before the backlist readathon I was actually reading do no harm by Christine McDonald uh, which came out in February and I'm doing that for this like TBR reading vlog that is based off of reading arcs but unfortunately do no harm had already come out before I got to finish it um but the other two books in that in that video are going to be arcs from March so I need to like my button gear and read those I know it's almost the end of March can you believe it I know I'm having such a problem because like because they're arcs they're physical books and like with working I can pretty much only read like audiobooks like that's the only thing I can do um so anyway the other book that I'm reading because I'm almost done with do no harm and the other one that I started is an audiobook because I was like driving yesterday and I just needed something like while I was at work I was like well I'm wasting my time because the backlist readathon I was like (laughs) you know reading every single second of the day I was like wow I'm wasting time right now (laughs) um so I started Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey 
which is actually going to be a book discussion in April in my online book club. So I was like, you know what? I'll just get ahead and I'll listen to that because I, you know, who doesn't like Matthew McConaughey's voice? It is (laughs) very, very good because it's a memoir and I love those. I think I figured out those are one of my favorites (laughs) now. But his voice is so amazing. So it's like, I love, he's such a great storyteller. So like the stories are really intriguing and then his voice is super amazing and it's just a really good time. So I'm almost done with that. I think I only have like 40 minutes left of that. And I think I only have probably, yeah, like maybe 20 minutes left of Do No Harm. I don't know. I'm like right at the end of both of those. Wow. So. I guess we're flipped because like sometimes <laughs> you're not reading and I'm reading a lot and then yeah. vice versa, whatever. Yep. <laughs> anyway, National Library Week is an annual celebration highlighting the valuable role libraries, librarians, and library workers play in transforming lives and strengthening our communities. Actress, author, and activist Natalie Portman will shine a spotlight on our nation's libraries as the honorary chair of National Library Week 2021. She will help highlight the essential role libraries, librarians, and library workers play in serving their communities, especially during challenging times. So they do have a series of like kind of events, like a little bit of a schedule, like celebrations that they're doing. So highlighting some of the celebrations during National Library Week. On Monday, April 5th, the State of America's Libraries report will be released, including the top 10 frequently challenged books of 2020. I always think that's a very interesting list. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, April 6th, National Library Workers Day, a day for library staff, users, administrators, and friend groups to recognize the valuable contributions made by all library workers. On Wednesday, April 7th, a day to celebrate our nation's bookmobiles and outreach services and it was previously known as National um, Bookmobile Day but new branding is coming soon and on Thursday April 8th it's Take Action for Libraries Day a day to rally advocates and support libraries. Make sure you follow the American Library Association ALA and I love libraries on social media and use the hashtags hashtag National Library Week and hashtag Libraries Transform. All this information will be available in the notes of today's episode. So I thought it would be fun to share like some of our early like library memories and my first library memory is of the Aiken County Library in Aiken South Carolina and I looked up pictures of the library recently because I always had like this like grand vision in my head of what it was and when I looked it up I was blown away I was like wow what a beautiful building and it just really like did bring back those memories because it was kind of like such a vague memory at the same time but Mm -hmm. you know how sometimes you build something up in your head and then you look it up or something like that and you're like yeah no Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah I looked it up and I was just really impressed so yay that was awesome um what's your earliest library memory there was a really really cool library or it was just like really big and it had this like glass like round dome at the top of it that I remember in Kentucky when we lived there um I was only I guess I was like 11 at the time because we actually didn't go to libraries super often because with being homeschooled my mom actually like bought a lot of our homeschool curriculum and like the books like kind of came with that curriculum. So we didn't really read a lot of outside books because we were already reading like all the books that came with our schooling. Um, So I don't remember going super often, but I remember going to that library because I had to write like a state research paper or like a it was like about the state. I had to do this. It was like sixth grade. And I remember that was kind of like the first time 
I was learning how to like look up things. Like it's so weird to think that like Google wasn't a thing back then. Like you couldn't just right. Google like <laughs> the state bird of Kentucky. Right. Like, you I had, had to, to like look, look in up. a book and it was like <laughs> so hard. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I used like when I was in elementary school or whatever. Mm. Um, and then we had to do like little like uh book reports or whatever and you needed additional facts like yeah google like computers were not a thing (laughs) they weren't (laughs) and we had an encyclopedia set yeah and i remember we had had to like look up things in the encyclopedia (laughs) like what and you definitely had to know how like to spell things and alphabetical order like you could just guess that was the worst because and i hated how my mom well it's just my stepmom but i hated how my stepmom would be like well sound it out and I was like but words aren't <laughs> that's not how it works you know because she always wanted me to look up words in the dictionary when I was writing something yeah. and I would be like but I can't look it up if I don't know how to spell it <laughs> like this is uh it makes no sense yeah. at all but yeah so libraries have come a long way libraries yeah. have computers in them now yeah, <laughs> like, they do. how awesome yeah. is that yeah. so moving very much forward in time um after college to the present day i do have a library card still and i do sometimes check out physical books but definitely not as much as i used to mm-hmm. um i tend to buy physical books and then borrow audiobooks mm-hmm. i would say I, w- I borrow ebooks but i don't really like ebooks <laughs> i tend to borrow more books physically during the summer though mm-hmm. um that's like if I'm doing like a fun project or I'm just like oh I don't feel like I I like maybe I'm going on a vacation so I'm saving for that so I'm not buying books so then I'll borrow books from the library um but yeah I use my library apps a ton I use overdrive libby which is basically like overdrive but with a facelift and hoopla and using these apps I have access to a ton of audiobooks and hoopla is actually a great source for comic books and graphic novels um pre-pandemic I also went to the library book sales at my main library branch once a month. They had it like every other or like, uh, like, the second Saturday or the third Saturday of the month or whatever. And it was a really cheap and fun way to stock my classroom library and my own bookshelves. Um, so I miss those. What about you? What, what's what's your current library usage like, Jacqueline? So actually, um, about like five or six years ago was actually when I did start getting like really into libraries, but it wasn't for me at first it was because I was a nanny and the little town that I was a nanny in there wasn't a whole bunch (laughs) of stuff to do and the library had like a really good kind of children's program like story time um and so I had started taking my little nanny kid to story time and after that like I kind of like we got her a library card and we would check out tons of books because she loved reading and then I ended up like started homeschooling her so like we put a bunch of stuff like you know all together we use the library so so much and at that time I was also trying to figure out what hobbies I wanted to do because I wasn't working as much because in high school and college I had zero time to read like I hadn't read from probably when I was like 14 till I was 23 like there was a huge time span that I didn't read um and so I we were really, really poor back then because we had just gotten married. And I was like, okay, what are hobbies that I could do that won't cost anything? And so that's when I got myself a library card. And that's when I started reading. I think I read 
like just the popular books that I had heard about. So like Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey and like books that I would never pick up now. Like it's weird how like you're re- you you know, figure out your reading tastes. Um, but I started doing that and I just like, it was like a light bulb went off where I was like, wow, this is one of the only like hobbies that you could do without really spending any money. Like as long as you return them appropriately, which, uh, you know, I do not like people that don't return the books because I'm <laughs> waiting for them, okay? <laughs> um, but like if you think about it, like what other hobbies can you really do where you don't have to buy equipment for, you know, where you don't have to pay for a class or something like that? And so after that, we actually moved to a town that had a bigger library system. And oh my gosh, like there was probably like six or seven libraries all in the same branch. And you could, you know, pull holds from anywhere. And they, like that system was just so good. So they got a bunch of new releases in. And I was just, there was... I mean, just a couple years ago, I didn't even own any books. Like I was just reading everything from the library. Now I am blessed that that, like people do like semi books. I get books from publishers and stuff like that. And I buy a couple of them, but I am still a huge supporter of the library. And now getting into audiobooks, like I use Libby probably 90% of the time, especially since I'm listening to almost all audiobooks at the moment. So I just like really love the library and love that it kind of made me find like how much I enjoy reading and I didn't have to feel that I couldn't start up that hobby or like start getting into reading again because I didn't have money for books. Yeah I think that comic books and graphic novels using the Hoopla app has been like a lifesaver for me because they're usually so expensive Mm -hmm. and it takes you like no time at all to to read read them and if you've never read like if it's a series I love Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go buy it because I just I am a collector so I do like to have the whole series and stuff but if it's like something that I hear someone talk about I'm like ooh, that sounds interesting but I've never read anything by that you know um, artist before I will try to see if it's on Hoopla and it's like an ebook it has all the color illustrations and everything in it and it's really easy to read and then if I really like it and I continue on then maybe I'll consider picking it up but I just I love the library apps like that was such a smart move Mm -hmm. maybe not so much a cheap one so um, we're obvious fans of the library and the library system but are libraries bad for authors that's what we're here to talk about today we posted a poll on Instagram asking if you thought libraries were good or bad for authors and 100% of you said good. So how are libraries good for authors? Libraries offer authors two things. One, they can buy their books, which nets the author some royalties. And two, they offer exposure. And I think that's like the biggest thing that I think of, Mm -hmm. um, allowing the author to gain a new audience who might buy their books the next time rather than borrowing them. Yeah, those are the big factors. So when Gwen and I started talking about we wanted to do a an episode like about libraries a couple years ago when I was definitely a minimalist with books and I mean my whole life but yeah I didn't have the money to spend and I felt like I got some backlash from people saying that oh I'm not supporting authors because I'm not buying their books like for instance like I love Colleen Hoover and so they were like well why would you get a Colleen Hoover book from the library? If you love her, you should just buy her books. But I'm also not a rereader. So to me, usually buying books um, 
is not something that I'm going to do. I mean, I do buy them and then I immediately like re-swap them or sell them or do something else with them. But I wanted to do research for this episode to actually figure it out because I never knew the correct answer to this. I mean, I thought I was supporting authors, but then I was like, oh yeah, I, like they're right. I'm, I'm not buying their books. Like, am I like a fake author supporter? <laughs> am I a fake fan? Yeah. Am I a fake fan? Like, is, don't tell Colleen Hoover I'm getting her books from the library. Yeah. So I started doing research for this episode and oh my gosh, you guys, there was so much stuff that I didn't realize. Like number one, do you guys even know where the books come from? Like for the library? Like do you even know how much an author makes? Like and, and how they do book deals. Like, I didn't know all this stuff. So we're going to go through some of that and just kind of like pinpoint, like, are we actually supporting authors by using the library system or not? And so first off, when the library does get books, they buy them from a book distributor. So that's not even the publisher. Like, they don't buy them straight from the publisher. The publisher is selling them to the book distributor, which would be like a bookstore or Amazon, or um, I think the one is called like American Library Association. So like specifically for the library, there is usually a royalty share between the distributor and the publisher on the sale of each book. So that's how the distributors make money. So because the publishers are selling books through the distributors, for every copy that's sold, the author is already getting their full royalty. So how that works is when an author is going to write a book, and obviously like a publisher knows who they are, which is really hard, I figured out. Like you can't just be like, hey, publisher over here, I'm writing a book right now. But if they do offer you that, they give you what is called an advance. So they kind of like try and gauge how many copies of the book that is going to be sold. So say that they think, I don't know, 5,000 copies of the book is gonna be sold. They're gonna give you that money in advance to cover that. So say they give you, I don't know, $10,000. Once your book is actually selling, you're not making any more money until that $10,000 has already been made by the publisher. So if the publisher like kind of thought wrong and less of your book is being sold, like you're not making any extra money as an author. What that means though, is that library isn't paying the author directly. And that means that also it doesn't matter if you're buying a book from the store because those royalties have already been paid by that bookseller, or if you're getting the book from the library, because the library has already bought that from a book distributor, which the royalties have already been paid. I guess the the caveat of all that is, is that yes, the author, like let's say a library buys two copies mm -hmm. of a book. If they buy those two copies, yes, the author got the payment for those two copies that the library got, but let's say that the, auth the library didn't buy any copies of the book. And then it was like a really anticipated book and like a hundred people went out to the store and bought it. Right, which is a cause of concern that I found while doing this research is that an author is only making a measly like 7% up to, if they're a really popular author, maybe 30% of the total cost of the book. So they're only making like four and five dollars here and there. The I main, just can't even imagine like yeah. it's your baby you've poured your heart and so on some authors spend like 10 years writing a book and yeah. then you make like four dollars if someone buys your book yeah and that's because a lot of people are involved in the creation and distribution right. of it. the book so it's like the publisher pays the author in advance in order to purchase the rights of the book then they have to pay the editors and the formatters and the illustrators and the printing oh my press. Gosh. 
and the artists that do the covers. And yes, like, exactly. Oh my goodness. That's why also when you see like indie publishers or like indie mm-hmm. authors, their book art isn't the best or maybe the format of their text in the book isn't the best. It's because they're kind of cutting costs with that because it's not a main publisher that's kind of forking out that money. But I do think with technology the way it is, we are seeing indie books that have like better covers than ever, Mm -hmm. better like format than ever. But there are still those ones that you get. You're kind of like, oh, you can tell this is indie. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things is like, yes, a library might only be buying one copy of that book. But if it's a popular book, usually once they get four or five people that are like, you know, holding on it or trying to check it out, they go and they buy more. So that is going to be more sales in the long run. But then also, it's not uncommon for like those books to get worn out pretty quickly. I think that it Mm -hmm. said that it's usually about a 20 checkout rate. So like after it's been checked out about 20 times, the book is kind of falling apart. So they have to buy a new copy to replace that. So then that's that's sad. People need to take better care of their library books. I know. And that's (laughs) after they put all the, you know, plastic on it or whatever. Yeah, no wonder they do that. They're like, Can you imagine if not like two uses, they're like, oh, throw it away. (laughs) Or like, what do they do? Yeah. The other thing is libraries actually pay more for the books than all other bulk buyers. So bookstores actually receive like a 40% discount from the retail price. So the retail price is like the the price that's printed on the back of the book. Mm -hmm. Whereas libraries only receive a 10% discount. So they're actually paying more. Yeah. Than other book buyers yeah if that makes sense. so so like if you go to barnes and noble when they buy the book and i actually my yes. neighbor she is a book buyer for barnes and noble and um she has told me that like maybe because i was trying to ask her some questions for this episode but jacqueline kind of covered it all <laughs> but yeah so when she's buying the books she's getting them super discounted yes for her store right but then so that way they can make but i wonder if that's it. to offset the cost because maybe bookstores are selling more than like libraries are like lending out the book this is i mean i feel like we could talk about this all day because it's so interesting to me yeah it does just depend um it said that you know like maybe a bookstore is buying like three copies if they don't sell those copies, they go in the trash. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, so that is kind of like sad that like it's all like a numbers game, which is very unfortunate because like authors have gone through such hard work to like write these. And I feel like book sellers are just kind of like, well, that didn't make us money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes they do go to like discounted, like you'll see books at like the Dollar Tree or Mm -hmm. you'll see them, you know, um, sometimes you'll go to the thrift store like Goodwill or somewhere like that and you'll see like brand new books with the line you know the line at the top so they do but not all I mean not as many that don't sell (laughs) yeah yeah and then the other sad yeah with using the library system um yes maybe they did only buy one copy of that book now there are books that maybe have never gotten checked out which is fine but think about that every single book in the library they've already paid for so that's true. I mean, I highly doubt that there's a book that like, oh, the only sale that they had was at the library. But fun fact, there's more libraries than Starbucks. So that's there very are a lot cool. of libraries. That's very cool. <laughs> that's good to know. We still treasure our libraries. Yes. <laughs> and then with borrowing from the library, like say Gwen, you are trying out a new author. So you go to the library, they do have that book, 
you read it and you love it, you are probably gonna go buy a copy or you might buy your friend a copy or you might tell five other people and they might buy Mm -hmm. copies. So yeah, like you said in the beginning, like the word is being spread. So it's actually, it's kind of like, you know, try before you buy. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So you are. I probably need to do more of that, honestly. Like this episode is inspiring me, so. Yeah. Plus, the other thing is, is what's the difference between a library buying a book, the author getting those royalties, you borrowing it, compared to you buying a book, the author getting the same amount of royalties, it's like they're not getting more because you bought it at full price, but you bar- like you let a friend borrow it. Or you go and you resell it or you swap it. They're still not getting those extra royalties of it being used multiple times. Right. So it's the same as a library. Whereas if the library has more people borrowing Mm -hmm. it, they're going to buy more copies. Right. Smart. (laughs) Okay. So we talked about the print books. Mm -hmm. What about like ebooks, audiobooks. What about that? So those are a little bit different in a bad way. <laughs> um, in a bad way. Yeah. So we talked about like the library is getting only like a 10% discount on like hardcover, like physical books. Um, whereas when they get like audio or ebooks, they're actually paying for a license. And that license only has a certain amount of uses over a certain amount of time. Okay. And this is what it. <laughs> I have always said this to my husband because in, in, in through your research and you were like linking me some of the articles, which by the way, we will have all of Jacqueline's hard-earned research in the notes of today's show, like where she got this information. So we can definitely like shout out those people that did the initial research and stuff. But you were linking me some of these articles and I was reading through it and it blew my mind. It was like, so never give a library a hard time because you are you are on a wait list yeah. a mile long for this audiobook because that is, I'm like, it's an audiobook. Like, it's a file share. Like, give me the audiobook. Like, how hard is this? But I didn't realize that like these royalties and you're licensing it for only so many times for so many people. And oh, I was just like. Yeah. It just blew my mind. So let's look at some average prices. So on average, if you're buying a print book, usually they're around, you know, $25. Like when you go to the store. If you're buying it on Amazon, it's probably around $17 or so. If your library is going to buy a print book, like from a vendor or distributor, they're going to pay around $14 because they get like, you know, that measly 10% discount there. But if we're talking about eBooks, if you bought an eBook from Kindle, that would be around $13. But if a library has to buy an ebook, they're gonna be paying almost $46 for one ebook. That's only one license of an ebook. And they're going to have to keep rebuying that anytime the license expires or if there's too many uses. Like you can't just buy one single license and use it for years and years for hundreds and hundreds of people. There's different, wow. like, yeah, it just depends on whatever the license is for that one. 3.5 times more Mm -hmm. than if we were to buy it. Just buy ourselves like on Kindle or whatever. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. And then it's even worse for audiobooks. So if, yeah, if you are going on to like Audible or something and buying an audiobook, it's around $27 or so. If your library is buying an audiobook, it's $70. Oh my gosh. And that's what I use all the time from the library. 
I'm adding up how much money I'm my library spending on me. Wow. If okay, I have my bullet journal right here, and I will tell you how many audiobooks I have read so far this year. That's a good one. Yeah, Yeah. I'm gonna look because I am dying to know now. I have read 29 audiobooks. I've read 12 if I count this month so far. And I oftentimes, I think there's only been, I think all of them have been. I've had the physical copy, so I. I went out and purchased from the bookstore the physical copy yeah. and mm-hmm. I listened to the audio through my library so well, and it doesn't even account for like there have been I think two audiobooks that I have started this month that I was like oh I don't like this book you know whatever so even though I only listened to like 10% or maybe you checked it out and you didn't listen to any of it yeah oh, for you checking no. it out that still counts towards their licensing agreement oh no yeah. <laughs> Now I'm making you feel real guilty. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm still a DNF queen. I will never stop DNFing. Yes. But, oh, no. Yep. Wow. I thought, like, you know how, like, sometimes, like, if you finish it early, you can return it early so, like, more people can check Mm -hmm. it out. I'm like, is that a good thing now or a bad thing now? Oh, my goodness. So I I am curious. Like, I wonder how many, like, how, I guess, different books and different who you get it from, license it from. Mm -hmm. It's different amounts of times that you can play it or whatever. Yeah, it is, is different. Nuts. And I've heard $70. Can you imagine paying $70 yeah. for an audiobook? No, thanks. There is no way. Yeah. And the other thing is, though, is I've heard from some librarian friends that like you shouldn't feel guilty for checking out books and not reading them because that actually does give the library more funding. Like the more books you're checking out, they're using those numbers so that way they can say, yes. oh, you know, we've had we 300,000 checkouts this year. Last year, we only had 150,000 checkouts. So we oh, do need that's more good. money. Yeah. So you shouldn't feel bad for using your library system. Like even though, yes, it is unfair that wow. a book distributor is paying less money than a library has to pay when that doesn't even affect the author they get the same amount of royalties what we really need to be talking about is the publishers and how much money they're taking from the authors but <laughs> I mean, yeah. that might have to be another topic for another day <laughs> i would like to pose the question again do you think libraries are bad for authors obviously I say no if they're making the same amount Mm -hmm. and especially like you said just like the word of mouth alone yeah I feel bad for libraries now Mm -hmm. I'm like oh no I mean and just I didn't realize that that is you know you think why does a library need so much tax money they already have the books and like people are borrowing them Mm -hmm. because of these because we are leaning towards our apps and not able to go into store into the buildings and like borrow the books so Mm -hmm. a lot of people are leaning on ebooks and audiobooks during this time and they're paying a lot of money. I wonder what like two years ago what their like ebook audiobook checkout looked like as opposed to 2020 to today. I mean oh my goodness. Yeah actually yeah if you think about that I mean maybe they're buying less physical copies because more people are using ebooks so maybe they're trying to save that money on the print copies to go towards the ebooks. I'm not sure. Yeah. It'd be cool to like actually like sit down and talk with a librarian like you know to be like can I pick your brain (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. We have so many more questions. So I definitely think we need to touch on this topic again. Mm-hmm. Like maybe when things do like open up a little bit more, maybe we could like interview our librarians. Yeah, that would be cool. Librarians and stuff like that. So if there's any librarians out there listening that would love us to interview you for a future episode, definitely let us know. Um, I know you talked to me about this Chrome extension mm-hmm. that you use. Yeah. So I'm going to link it down in the description box as well as like like Gwen said, all the articles that I had gotten all this information from, hopefully it's all true, but you know, I'll put them down there so you guys can like see for yourself. But this Chrome extension, one of my friends had shown me it before and I was like, wow, why haven't I not been like using this before? This is from like chrome.google.com um, and it's called a library extension. And so you download it to your Google Chrome like that's what I use on my computer as my web browser and it's a little extension that will open up inside your Goodreads and Storygraph and things like that so that way when you're looking at a book like say you type in like all the The boys aren't blue yeah you're looking at that it's gonna come up with the libraries that I had like told it when I downloaded the extension like my zip code area and it's a free extension it is free yeah and it's going to come up with those libraries and it's going to tell you like what libraries have that book checked in how long you have to wait how many copies they have you can literally click it right there to like put it on hold or check it out so it's super helpful because instead of opening up like Goodreads or the story graph and me looking for the book and then I have to go to my different library apps and then I have to go look for it. It literally has it all together. So like Hoopla, Libby, your actual library, all of it's there together. So it's a super helpful extension, free, totally free. And we'll have yeah, it linked I'm down below. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try it out. Mm-hmm. You definitely need to. I know Jacqueline's been using it. I definitely need to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, so. it's like one <laughs> less step that you have to do is like, you know, go look for the book somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I think that was a super interesting topic. Thank you so much for doing the research for that episode. Like I said, if there's any librarians out there that wanna be interviewed for a future episode, we would definitely love to continue supporting our library, our librarians. Um, Like I said, the notes and the information in this episode is lengthy, so take some time, look through that stuff. Okay, so I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I haven't been having the best mental health, and that's because, like, my back has been literally killing me. Oh, no. And um, I go to a chiropractor on a bi-weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband goes on a monthly basis, and I go bi-weekly, um, and... For some reason, I don't know if it's because I'm not as active, you know, Mm -hmm. now that I'm staying home, like, for years and trillion years or whatever, or what, but I, like, my back was just hurting so bad, and it is still hurting, but, um, yeah, I haven't been getting good sleep, Mm. and um, I have trouble falling. I mean, once I'm asleep, I'm getting, like, maybe four hours of sleep a night, um, which is good, but I have trouble falling asleep, and as soon as I wake up, my back, you know, my back is... The pain has never gone away. Mm -hmm. So I've been dealing with this, I would say, like, since the weekend. And it's Wednesday now. Mm -hmm. So it's been about, like, five solid days of just, like, back pain. And it was actually, like, before that, too. But then I had a chiropractor appointment. And then that helped. And then I have my chiropractor appointments usually on Thursdays. So, like, Friday it was good. And then Saturday it started hurting. And then it's just been hurting since then, like I said, for about five days. I, like, I... Tomorrow's my normal scheduled appointment. And I was like, I can wait till tomorrow. I can wait till tomorrow. 
And I was like, no, no, no I can't. <laughs> no, I freaking can't. So I emergency called my chiropractor. I was like, please tell me I can squeeze in today. And he squeezed me in. And yes. my back actually does feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking a little bit better, mm-hmm. like maybe 5% better. It's still very tender if I move a lot. Um, and the thing is, I, there's no comfortable position. Standing up, it hurts. Sitting down, it hurts. Laying down, it hurts. Left side, right side, laying on my back, laying on my stomach. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm just always in pain. And um, so I I started thinking today about how, like, how it was affecting my mental health. And then, Oh, and then on top of all this, my allergies are starting. Mm. So normally when people – I think it was those sunny days that we had yeah. last week, and I was outside a little bit. So I have seasonal allergies, and it's like grass pollens, and um, ragweed is like my big one. Um, instead of like runny eyes, runny nose, itchy eyes, things like that, I get little blisters – like tiny little blisters, but like all over my arms or like wherever it's itching and stuff. And then when I'm scratching it or itching it, it's eczema. So then I have eczema and then that's no fun. But anyway, back to the pain. So I was thinking about like how much pain I was in and I've only been dealing with this for like five days. And I was thinking about people with like chronic pain Mm -hmm. and I was just like, Mm. oh, yeah, (laughs) I cannot because yeah, so I'm just thinking about all those people out there that deal with pain on a consistent basis and sending you lots of love and good vibes and good energy because you definitely need it. Because like I could literally, I've been so emotional. Mm -hmm. Like I've just been super, I think it's just the lack of sleep and just the constant pain and all. So I'm just like how those people out there deal with that. Like I just don't even know. Well, that's probably why you're not reading because it's really hard to like focus when you're So that's what I was thinking. Like I just can't. So I mean like last night, I think I was up at like 2 30 3 o'clock in the morning I was still up like I was tired mm-hmm. but I couldn't lay down and go to sleep so then I try to sit at my computer and get work done but then I'm like working at like 2 3 in the morning which is not healthy and like I don't know so I've been kind of a mess mm-hmm. so there's that so if you're struggling out there you're not alone I'm dealing and it's funny because like um a girl that I watch on you YouTube, Janae, she just did this whole thing where she's been like super emotional and just like dealing with it lately. And I was like, I didn't feel alone. So I feel like sharing that little bit of my story might help somebody out there. That's why I wanted to share it because like, yeah, you're not alone. We're all struggling with something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Jacqueline, what's going on in your corner of the world? I do have to say, I was so happy to hop on the podcast today though. So that's that good. was like my one bright light of the day. Yeah, so. you're always so like happy and positive that like I can never tell when anything's <laughs> wrong. Well, I do because I just you know I do want to come off as that like happy person and stuff like that. But yeah, I've just been struggling this week. Poor Daniel, like yeah. my husband. I've been crying nonstop. I could like literally cry like at a drop of a hat about Don't the cry. simplest, stupidest thing. Don't no, cry. I won't. <laughs> but I totally could. Yeah. Well, I actually, I have kind of some exciting news, I guess. I actually went to a fertility appointment yesterday, which it's not my first time. We went to fertility appointments two years ago and got an IUI. Um, And then since then, I haven't been back to do anything. But with, I don't even know if I, I guess, did I talk about my SIBO on here before? I can't remember. But yeah. I have an online doctor and I found out that I have something called SIBO, which is like a 
bacteria yeah bacteria yeah (laughs) yep weird stuff okay so i've been on antibiotics for that and that doctor was kind enough to send in a referral um to a fertility clinic and so this is a different clinic than one that i've gone to before i actually was going to like a women's health center that had a fertility doctor so they it's not like they were specialists um Mm -hmm. so i went yesterday and i did get some testing done but i still have more testing to do um like at the end of this week or into next week depending upon how my cycle goes because like it's just all a calendar (laughs) thing like it always has to work out exactly perfectly with your cycle and that's frustrating yeah but (laughs) bodies are great (laughs) yeah but hopefully um this is gonna go better because I felt like the last fertility place that I had gone to I didn't feel like they actually cared about me I felt like they cared more about the money and Mm -hmm. for them to have had me do an IUI before getting fully like testing everything kind Mm -hmm. of irritates me but I didn't know better back then and I've Mm -hmm. done research over the years and then even talking with my new fertility doctor yesterday she's having me do a lot more testing before we even decide what to do like she you know Mm -hmm. she's waiting for all of our tests to come back before she even says a chance that we might have um and so I like that she's kind of like you know diving into everything like you know we're gonna test everything we're gonna cross it all off we're gonna say okay let's look at the big picture now so I am excited for that um it's been hard for me the last couple weeks with like mental health because Mm -hmm. I have a really big family and Three of my sisters are all pregnant right now together, which is just fantastic. I mean, which is great. You know, it we're not because we know how exciting they are. Yes. But when you deal with infertility, when you feel you like the really only do sister feel left. alone, yeah. like, you're you're like, I am the lone wolf. Yes. I am the barren one. Okay. Right. And, and it, it is a it little is hard. It's frustrating because And I know that there's situations where other people, like you said, you're thinking about people that are dealing with chronic pain. You don't know what Mm -hmm. that's like until you start dabbling in a little bit of pain and you're like, wow, I didn't think about this before, how other people are living. Mm -hmm. Well, that's how I feel with infertility is that people just don't realize that it's a thing. You know, they just get pregnant at the drop of a hat (laughs) or by accident. Yes. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) you know, they're not thinking about what it would be like until you go through it. And so it is frustrating, you know, and I know Gwen understands because she's been mm-hmm. here. She is still going through it. We're all just going through it together. <laughs> we are. We're yeah. just going through it. But it's it. like, I wish sometimes that people made a point to try to understand, but that's a lot to ask. So unfortunately, yeah. sometimes I'm very disappointed with how yeah. people treat the situation, but I can't really ask them to treat it any differently because right. there's things that yeah. I I totally get what you're Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from with that. I think that, you know, like I said, everybody's dealing with their own thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, like I may seem happy on the outside all the time and like everything's great. Everything's wonderful. But really, like it's been a tough week for me. And and I mean, me and you talk all the time. So, yes, I know you've been dealing with. Like everybody at work getting pregnant. Everybody on Facebook. (laughs) You know, everybody on Facebook's like, yay, guys, great. Especially with these when these holidays come up, they're always like, Oh my gosh, St. Patrick's Day. Or like there's a bunny in my belly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, stop with the cheesy pregnancy. Look, it's the leprechaun. (laughs) Like, uh, go away. My pot of gold is in my belly. So my point is, is that I do like to look as 
brighter days are coming. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to know, like, I am going to my chiropractor. I went to my chiropractor today. I'm going tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, He's closed on Fridays and the weekend. So hopefully the appointment tomorrow will help a little bit more. And then I'll probably go see him on Monday. Mm -hmm. Maybe even he has a masseuse that comes in his office sometimes. So maybe that. I need to call my allergist and get my medicine for that. I can do that. You know, Jacqueline, you're looking into your situation with a new fertility actual like clinic this time Mm -hmm. that deals like it's a special thing um and that you got good vibes from it which made me so happy because i feel like that is such a personal personal thing Mm -hmm. and that you need to feel comfortable with the doctor comfortable with like you just need that good karma when you walk in you know you got to feel good about it and when i was dealing with all of my fertility stuff um just knowing that there was like a plan of action Mm -hmm. and that i was like making strides like even though I wasn't like getting pregnant like I wasn't getting pregnant during that time I was making headway I had a list of to-dos and I was checking my little boxes off as I was going down the list that made me feel like I was making progress I was doing something so I'm sending you all my love with that and yeah hopefully (laughs) we have great updates in the future backs that don't hurt (laughs) stay tuned for more (laughs) updates Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Talk Bookish to Me. We both enjoyed sharing our love of the library with you and are looking forward to celebrating National Library Week April 4th through the 10th. Check the details of today's episode to find out more information. If you need to reach us, email us at talkbookishpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at talkbookishpodcast. Until next time, happy reading.